nobody knows what you are. I was concerned about going out into the world and doing something bigger than myself until someone smarter than myself made me realize there is nothing bigger than myself. If you don't believe, nobody else is gonna believe. To get something you never had, you have to do something you never did. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Welcome to the other side. I'm your host, Shamaki Ahmed from the Peer Patrols podcast. And today we have a very, very interesting episode for you guys about creativity and the art of creativity by talking through the book by the legend himself, John Cleese, Creativity, a short and cheerful guide. Well, the winner is John Cleese for A Fish Called Wanda. John, you're... And this is yours, I believe. Isn't that nice? Yeah, may I hand it to you? Mm, certainly. I'd obviously like to thank some people. I'll keep it short. I want to thank Charlie Crichton, Gregor Mendel, the founder of the science of genetics, my tailor, Harriet Beecher Stowe, author of Uncle Tom's Cabin. There's a London Symphony Orchestra brass section, the Leighton Orient Strikers, Mother, Bismarck, the Royal Society for the Prevention of Birds, the Basil Small Piece. So for those of you guys that don't know, John Cleese was one of the head writers of the British comedy trope formed in 1969 called The Monty Python which was hella big back at the time. And it was like sort of a sketch show, um, surreal humor, all this kind of different stuff that these guys had, like kind of like a horrible histories for those of you guys that know that legendary show. It was like that. And um, essentially he became very big as he got on later on in life and a very prominent comedy writer and um i finished that book very very recently and i wanted to kind of like highlight and talk about some of the best points in which i took from that book and funny enough it's actually quite a short book it's like less than 100 pages and it comes with like different kind of exercises it comes with like different examples different ways in which you can try and boost your creativity not just when you're feeling inspired but also when you're not feeling inspired as he said so one of the the points in which he was talking about, which I really found interesting, was um, the the cognitive dissonance. So what he would do is he found out that during his time when he would be writing sketches and writing different things, that he would be pondering upon something. So like a way to kind of finish off the skit, a way to kind of like make the best punchline fit in a certain way. And he realized that if he couldn't figure it out in the moment, he wouldn't try and force himself to figure it out. He would actually leave it off and, and go to sleep. And he said that by the time he he woke up, he had a better understanding of the idea. He had a he had pretty much materialized in some sort of way the ending of his skit, which he found really interesting because he was like, What the hell is going on here? But he soon realized that in his sleep he was able to work and get his mind going about what he was trying to do and from this he kind of realized that his mind was constantly working unconsciously without him having to think of something without him having to overwork it his brain would just naturally be working over and musing over different ideas that he's had um, and he made the similar example to like when you've forgotten someone's name and you can't think of it and the more you try to think of it in that moment of time you can't 
and then suddenly when you're off think somewhere else or when you're gone shopping and you're just you know browsing through the aisles or you're having a shower the name comes to you and it's kind of like okay what the hell happened there was your brain looking for it the whole time while you was doing all these things because it's just random for it to just for the name to randomly appear so he was kind of like that and he basically broke that down into two things the the tortoise part of the brain which is that part the part that is constantly thinking so like again you forget a name and then you set it to the back of your mind and you kind of leave it but like it's it's weird because it's like it's all subconscious and um you think you've forgotten about it but the tortoise part of your brain is constantly working and slowly slugging away until suddenly it comes to the forefront of your mind at a time that you had no idea and the crazy thing is a lot of like the ideas and examples that he gives in which creativity is founded is in the world of like the unconsciousness of man so he was talking about an example where some students in the US were shown five different Chinese letters or characters um and in the following week they were asked okay which characters do you remember from the last week and obviously a lot of them didn't remember any of the ones that they saw none of it looked familiar right and then they did it with another group and they showed them the same five different characters and then the week after they asked that group okay which they switched up the question from which characters do you remember to which characters do you like and then funnily enough the ones that the students picked that they said oh i like this character more and more was actually the character that they had seen the week before and he talks about it being a crazy moment because it's like they subconsciously recognize that character from the week before but they didn't know it and if you had to ask them oh okay so what is do you remember this character they wouldn't be able to tell you off off of off the rip but if you associated the feeling to it or a liking to it then they would be able to recognize something which they had already seen subconsciously which is crazy and that's what he starts talking about he starts talking about that the subconscious is like the language of the subconscious is not verbal it's like the language of dreams it shows you images it gives you feelings it nudges you around the value immediately knowing what it's getting at so he's talking about different ways in which our creativity despite let's say you're writing up a script and you just might be slugging along and you're not really feeling it without you knowing it subconsciously your brain is constantly at work in trying to make it better by adding things in which you like i.e. movies you've seen that you like different kind of stories that you've liked plot twists that you've liked before and it's mushing all of that up together to give you this new idea baked when the idea is ready to pop up into the front of your mind again but he talks about the avenue and how to get to the street of that unconscious mind really really thinking and uh, the steps that he gives is 90 minutes of time which you value like you really really value um you put up like do not disturb you put up signs telling everyone do not come in in those 90 minutes you're just pondering and you're just musing over ideas because what will slowly start to happen is you will start to fall into 
that feeling of what he calls like the, the creative state in which that slow part of the brain, the tortoise side, starts to come into work with the hair part of the brain. So the hair part in which he tries to explain is that it's the more quick thinking, analytical, okay, this is a good idea, this is a bad idea, I don't like this, I don't like that. Now, the thing is with this exercise is that there isn't a bad avenue that you're taking because you don't know. You know, when you're being, he says when you're being creative, there is no such thing as a mistake. And the reason is very simple. You can't possibly know if you're going down the wrong avenue until you've gone down it. So if you have an idea, you must follow your line of thought to the end to see whether it's likely to be useful or not. You must explore without necessarily knowing where you're going. As Einstein once pointed out, if we know what we're doing when we're investigating something, then it's not research. So in that 90 minutes, that 90, that sacred 90 minutes, you just have to let your brain think without using the analytical hair. You just got to let it trail you and let you let it guide you into being like, okay, let me see where this idea is going. Okay, this thing here, that, this, this and that, whatnot. So then hopefully by the end you get to the 90 minutes, then you've got something there. Now, later on, you can use your the hair side of the brain to fix up and chop things down. But at least now you've got a lot more ideas than what you did when you first came in for this exercise. And he talks about this time. The reason why he says 90 minutes, I mean, for some people, it doesn't have to be 90 minutes. It could be a lot less than that because they're strong minded. But unfortunately for guys like me, unfortunately, him being like me, um, in that sense of just having just straight uh, between you and me guys I think I probably got ADHD right I'm not ashamed to say I haven't been diagnosed but I'm pretty sure I've got it because the moment I'm out here trying to concentrate I'm just thinking of everything I'm thinking of oh wait do I really know when my sister was born why do Germany always win on penalties why is Saliba out here playing in midfield sometimes? Like all sorts of weird questions, even things that don't exist. You know, it's just like, like I'm, I'm like, okay, cool. Let me sort out my room to get in a way where I can concentrate. And then I'm on Amazon looking at nice LED lights to have and to buy that will make me concentrate a lot. Like I don't have it in me to just be able to, you know, proper sit down like that. But that's what he says. It's like it's like meditation. Um, it's getting that brain from all that busyness, getting all that like clunk in your brain out, and then getting slowly into that state of actually thinking and processing. And he talks about in this state in which you're teetering between the tortoise brain, the tortoise mind, and the the hare brain, as he calls it you're you've got to allow these new ideas to actually formulate and kind of become something that make a bit of sense because every new idea that you shoot down won't help you need for it to build up a bit and then afterwards bring in the hair side to have a bit of clarity and he says that's when you can kind of know when it is to take a break you can take a break when you've got too many of these ideas that are coming and it's starting to get a bit overwhelming. And what you do is when it starts to get overwhelming, that's when you start to cut off the parts that you feel like isn't good enough. 
and then after that then you can kind of go back towards the creative mode of thinking um, until you finally get to something that's a bit more special so you just go back and forth having a tortoise mind and a hare brain they need each other but you have to keep them separate because he talks about a screenplay which he did called Fish Called Wanda and he was going through draft after draft after draft using his you know tortoise mind to come up with the ideas and resolve the problem with the hair brain and sort out logical inconsistencies in the end it took 13 drafts but i knew it was worth it because each time the screenplay became a little better and the end result was the only writing award i've ever won and then one of the points that he has which i feel like is a bit of a controversial one that i might have to say for one of my when the boys are on the podcast Um, or someone else that's creative to kind of get their thoughts on this but in the chapter called keep going he starts talking about the arts and what it takes for someone in the arts to be full of fresh new ideas so he says in a world of like science and, and architecture and medicine you have to spend years and years of educating yourself before you even get any ideas in how to innovate or how to make things easier or how to switch things about but he says for the artists sometimes it happens that the most successful novelist is always their first bit of work that is the most unique thing that they'll ever make because they're just learning their craft and their mind and their you know the aperture hasn't been opened up to so many different avenues a lot of it is pure and instinctive on their own feelings and then he says that when they've mastered their craft they begin to express their mature ideas in which their work becomes even better and then he talks about in the third stage where it's the tailing of their powers as their insights become more familiar so by being in the industry for too long or being immersed and wrapped in the industry eventually you start creating things that are very familiar that people have seen before so he said that a lot of the people that he knows that he considers fresh thinkers are people that do things completely outside of the art world so they'll play drums they'll play games they'll basically do sports or like something else that will take them away from constantly immersing and thinking about the world that they're in in order to get new and fresh ideas which is kind of crazy because it's like like if if you take like for example i don't know like let's say music right let's say you come up with like a crazy flow or a crazy cadence or like i don't know a whole general genre of like music right then eventually what happens is your next part in what he's saying is your next album or whatever it may be will be that but defined and stronger and then afterwards because you've been in the industry for too long and maybe some people have copied your style copied your flow whatever it may be your genre what you then start putting out has then become familiar again and you kind of need to take a step away from this and one person i've seen this from is actually casey neistat's brother he's called van neistat and one of the things that casey was you know promoting his brother with was the fact that he actually 
isn't on YouTube like that, like as in watching YouTubers, um, watching vlogs, watching different kind of, like just on the whole platform. He's just a storyteller and he's a filmmaker, just like him. And that was interesting because then when you check out his stuff, which I encourage you guys to do, Van Neistat, you'll see that the type of stuff that he's doing and the type of videos that he's making is very, very unique. And his style of storytelling is very unique. And it's not been it's not been done on YouTube. Um, and it feels very fresh because he himself, the guy with the ideas, isn't really immersed in that world. So if there is a world in which you're trying to immerse yourself in, it's also good to not constantly just be watching and watching and watching, but to also do other things so that you can be exposed to new angles and new ways in which you can add to that or add to that bit of creativity that you're into and one thing that he speaks about that i I really liked was in one chapter called um, coping with setbacks where he's talking about him and graham chapman who was one of the other main writers who, who passed away when they would come together to basically write he said that sometimes they'll just be sitting there for like hours or like a couple days where they haven't wrote anything substantial um, but they realized soon that every week they would have a good solid 18 to 20 minutes. And they were like, whether they sat there for inspiration to hit them or not, whether there was like setbacks or blockages in their creative thinking processes, eventually they would come up with something because they were consistent in their writing. And naturally you're the more consistent you are in something. For example, if you're a designer, graphic designer, and you're constantly designing, constantly making something, you know your average, where it's at, whether you're not really feeling it or not, but this is what I can do. I can make this level of content. Keeping at that, you'll make that level of content that you normally would anyway, but then sometimes you might get the extra boost of, inspiration that might come in the following week or the week after that and then now you've got a plus one compared to the average that you would do so he was saying that the the step setbacks weren't an interruption or a a mess up in the whole thing but it was just all part of the process that it was normal that they wouldn't be able to write something great every single day and even for me, that's how it kind of is. You know, sometimes if I'm creating videos or TikToks or whatever it may be, um, knowing that the idea that I have or the video that I have or the podcast idea that I may have isn't great, but going through it regardless, you will build your average that is good, if that makes sense. <laughs> but the only way to keep doing that is by understanding that you not being hit with lightning of inspiration and that eureka moment isn't going to happen every time so then what you can't just stop you gotta keep going and then keep and then that that going process and then continuing to make work of what you have you will find your median of good so you always find the average of good content that you will make whether it's like you said 20 minutes of writing whether it's a poster or graphic design whether it's like four chapters in a book you will find that you have to keep it going and so some of the steps in which he gives 
is basically he says getting your panic out early so he says writing is quite difficult actually he says he then changes that he says let me rephrase it to writing is easy writing well is difficult and he says so if you're like me and you feel a bit rattled as you face your challenge here's the advice get the panic in early so if you're panicking about a different idea like let's say a client tells you to do something or you don't have any ideas or you want to start let's say a book you kind of don't really know how to kind of go about it or a video he says to get the panic out early so by just using that panic because he says everyone that panics doesn't feel like in between that they're like okay i'm gonna have a nice little nap because their body is alert everything is you know going crazy at that moment so he says to just do the simple stuff like just writing down ideas jotting down things writing stuff like who you're writing for um you know like you might be writing for someone that has a limited attention span in which case you have to be very interesting then you can ask yourself whether the audience will easily accept what you're saying or whether they might be resistant if so then you have to persuade them and not just tell them then you can start pondering what am i really trying to say you know what is the point of this piece of journalism or speech or book or play or pamphlet or email and you think of different approaches and then you compare them and you start to begin gathering key facts and research and then he adds in just two little pointers. Cut anything that isn't relevant. There'll be more than you think. And don't repeat yourself unless you really want to. It's crazy. I feel like I'm doing a proper in-depth analysis of the book. Um, but this book is so good, man. This book is actually amazing. It's helped me so much in identifying with different things and different feelings in which he kind of talks about. If you're going through... Um, problems such as panicking or not thinking that your work is good enough or what it needs to like test your ideas so like having people around that you put it to different kind of people that are into different genres so then if it's like funny people that don't necessarily aren't necessarily into comedy if they kind of find it funny they're like okay cool I'm kind of moving on towards a good direction here and you know, that kind of thing. And the way that he kind of suggests people to to find out is asking, were you bored? Where could you not understand what was going on? Where did you find things credible? Was there anything that you found emotionally confusing? And once you've got the answers to these and then you kind of go around and you discover, okay, cool, let me add a bit more to this. Let me take away a bit of this. Yeah, no, like I've, I could go into a lot more depth in in the book but i feel like i would want to do it with one of the boys as well to kind of really get into their aspects and how they go about their creative process because i feel like with the help of this book is sensational and this book doesn't necessarily even just have to be for creatives it can be for people that are into anything really that are trying to think more innovatively or trying to change the game or because initially i i bought this a while back really to get back into writing uh, because that's what I wanted to do but this isn't even just for people that are into writing like graphic designers again even like podcasters all different ways of like how a podcaster would do it what is very popular how can you change yourself how can you change your image and you know go for a different route it's all like the valid questions which I asked myself in when I'm recording, i.e. how do you guys take this? What is the perception that you guys get? Um, 
is there a message is there a voice stuff like that so yeah um that's that's the book review of john cleese creativity a short and cheerful guide it's quite literally a short and cheerful guide um i don't know if i was cheered through it but i was certainly inspired and i would definitely recommend all of you guys to to, to grab it all of you guys that are into art that is all creativity and with that, this is your boy Shimaki, who you have journeyed through the realm of creativity on the other side with um, from the Paper Trails podcast. And we're actually nearing towards the end of the season, towards the end of the first season, which we'll have a proper review on soon. But it's been it's been a very fun journey with you guys. We'll definitely come back stronger, a lot more guests, a lot more oomph. But I appreciate you guys that are listening every Monday, every day, really, or whenever you can. This is a little thing for you guys to enjoy, you know, on your commutes, when you're at home, cleaning, wherever it may be. Um, we hope to be the the backing track to, to all of that. And we appreciate you guys very much following, checking us out. And if you haven't, then I, I would appreciate you guys to, to follow, to share, to like, to do all of that good stuff because it really does help. And um, I will see you guys very shortly in the next one. Thanks for listening to the Paper Charles podcast. If you like this episode, please leave a review, comment, like, and subscribe. And be sure to follow us on all our socials. Keep moving, keep growing, keep learning. See you at work. Wow.